Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Ricketts, your host of the Mixed Bag. Today we have, we're making history. This is the first ever catfish guest that we've ever had on the podcast. Number one right here. So we've we've had guys talk about musky fishing. We've had guys talk about saltwater fishing. We've had guys talk about, of course, largemouth and smallmouth bass. We've never had anybody talk about catfishing. So today, Chris Souders, everybody, if you don't know who Chris Souders is, you are absolutely sleeping under a rock. I've been following this guy for a long time. Uh, he's a great dude. He's sponsored by Sea Arc Boats, Suzuki Outboard, Marine Master Trailers, Warrior Cat Rods. If you don't know about Warrior Cat Rods, they're absolutely phenomenal. Look up Warrior Cat Rods on YouTube and watch that dude banging his rod against that tree and tell me that rod isn't made to last. They're freaking awesome. It's uh, on the on YouTube right now. He's showing us his Warrior Cat rod. Now I have two of the roller rods, and they're freaking awesome. I absolutely love those. Uh, Extreme bait tanks, Fitech cast nets, offshore tackle planer boards, tackle bandit, catfish clothing, Demon Dragons, and he has his own signature Demon Dragon. If you don't know what those are, check those out on YouTube as well. They produce some big fish from from what I understand and what I've researched. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit more in depth and why those work so well. Uh, smooth moose seats and monster rod holders. If you're in the catfish world and they don't know monster rod holders as well, you're sleeping under a rock. Shout out Mr. Steve Douglas. So welcome, Chris. Happy to have you on, man. Thanks for having me, man. This is hey. exciting. I'm, I'm happy to be number one, you know, number one, man. Yeah. So the podcast <laughs> is doing great. We're approaching a hundred thousand, man. And, and, <laughs> We just we've never had a catfish guy on, man. And and I was talking to Brian, one of our hosts, 
And Brian Schiller is actually the one that founded Pat on Finn. He's one of the founders. I said, man, uh, if I'm going to do my own podcast, if I'm going to have my own segment, I'm going to bring on some catfish dudes because we give love to everybody and not the catfish guys. I I love catfish and I've, I've done it for a long time. I've only done it one year out of a kayak because then, you know, like in this industry, when you're doing kayak fishing, if you want to get out there and you want to get known, it's all about bass fishing. Right. So I kind of gave up my love for catfishing to go into the bass world, but this year I'm bringing it back. I'm flipping the script and bringing it back. So, hey, uh, one thing we like to do though is we like to talk about how how our guests got started and doing what they're doing. So I'm gonna open it up, man. Just tell us who was Chris Souders before he became Mr. Cat Mr. Catfish guy, and then how did you get to where you're at now? Because if I'm right, you even landed your own cable network TV show. Am I right about that? That's correct. Awesome. That's correct. So let's start from the beginning, man. Take us down that time zone. I don't know if everybody wants to hear this or not, but uh, <laughs> uh, if you can imagine this, imagine back in like the 80s, you know, early 90s, this little chunky guy with long mullet, you know, party in the front. You're you know, rocking a mullet? In the front. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> slick, and greasy. And uh, there I was in my skin tight, uh, uh, you know, hammer pants and, uh, and my pool cue with, uh, without no shirt on, rocking a mullet. No. That's where I started right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah. man on the river banks of uh you know southern ohio you know uh, i started catfishing actually with my father and my grandfather uh you know yeah. doug fishing like local channel cats stuff like that you know but then uh I, I grew up and i started racing motocross uh really loved it got out of fishing a little bit um you know really got into motocross and raced for uh, a lot of years uh, yeah. very competitive I, I was successful in that side of things as well but, you know, unfortunately, life happens. You get fat. You know, young guys come in. You're going to get beat. You're going to, your, your pride's going to get kicked out from underneath of you. And, uh, you know, you got to find somewhere else to go. And, and you know, that's what happened. So I, I started fishing, started back. A buddy of mine's like, hey, let's go catfishing, you know. So we, we decided to go catfishing. And, and uh, lo and behold, you know, we found a, a local club, a local tournament. And, and, you know, I found that competitive edge that I needed to fuel that fire again. And yeah. it kicked right back up, man. And, you know, here we are today, uh, you know, and just being able to go back to my roots, you know, where I started with my grandfather and my, and my dad, and now be able to, to do what I do and, and have the success that we have and watch this thing grow is just amazing. So this is what you do professionally now, right? No, no yeah. day job. And well, no, 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 yeah, okay. no, I, uh, <laughs> I wish, I wish, and, and maybe in some point in time, you know, that might happen, but, but, uh, on a day to day, I work for the railroad, you know, 40 hours a week. Uh, You're kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I know, know two day, people work for the railroads, man. We, we, one Michael Chamblees works down here in Cincinnati and then Jordan Gibson works in Indiana and travels Cincinnati all the time doing working for the railroad. So, yeah, I love it. I mean, the railroad has, has uh, provided me, a. A great lifestyle you know for my, my family and i and, and uh it, it allows me to do what i'd love to do you know absolutely what do you do for the railroad so i'm a track inspector oh my gosh that is awesome <laughs> no. i wonder if you've ever ran ran across jordan because he sends me like the other day he sent me some uh text messages where what is what is the chemical or what is the the thing you guys use to is it soldering tracks 
like the, he showed me this video. He sent me a link, man, and and they lit something on fire. There were fire that just shot down the tracks. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So that stuff's pretty wild, man. I'm like that. That is cool. And then we we had him on the podcast, and he was talking about uh, finding homeless people that sleep in the in the carts. Is that right? Is oh, they yeah. are they called carts? And yeah. then some of the animals that you guys hit on the railroad. And he was talking about uh, turkey vultures or something. How disgusting they are, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the things you will find on the railroad is is unbelievable. I oh, mean, I can only uh, imagine. Especially in some of these bigger cities. It's, what do you? It, what is the? What is the weirdest thing you found? Oh, <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> we don't here. know. No, this is on my segment. It's no holds barred, man. We talk about whatever we want. So. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot of. Uh, unfortunately, in this world, you know, we have a lot of homeless people. Yeah. And yeah. and. You know, one of the scariest things I've ever seen, my personal self, is is our kids that wear earphones and walk down the tracks. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, thankfully, I don't drive a train. You know, I drive a truck, and I'm expect, inspecting the tracks. So anytime I see that, you know, I try to do my part and, you know, you know kind of teach them, hey, stay off the tracks. Because, you know, almost every year, some point in time in the year, there's kids that get killed from trains and it's very, very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, you know, so if, if anybody out there is watching this, if you have kids, you live around train tracks, keep them off of them because you can't, you know, as big as a train is, especially if a little bit of snow is on, man, you can't hear them coming. And they really, go, yeah. It, Never would have thought it's, that. It's amazing how quiet they can be, uh, you know, as big as they are. Wow. Sneak right up on you. And I've snuck right up on people in my in my truck and it makes it makes a lot of noise going down the tracks. And, yeah. And snuck right up within 20, 30 feet of somebody before they realized I was behind them. Oh, I could that that's creepy, man. I couldn't imagine what that's is is there a lot of fatalities of people walking the tracks and get hit? Yeah. Is that a common thing? Yeah, I, kind of, yes. I mean yeah. uh, you know, you don't hear a lot about it, you know, yeah. because you know, it kind of, it stays low key, but, but yeah, it's, it's a common thing. There's a lot of people commit suicide, you know, that way, uh, you know, unknowingly they'll, they'll drive onto the tracks, try to cross the tracks where there's not uh, crossings and, you know, not call nobody and get hit by the train. Yeah. You know, things like that. Huh. Okay. I, that's terrible, man. You think that would be common sense, but we also, we're also talking about generation eat tie pods, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so it is what it is. Yeah. What do you think about all this Corona crap going around, man? What's your thoughts on that? It's it's uh, kind of crazy, right? I mean, it's it, weird how something like that has shaken up the world so bad. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that we need to take serious. You know, uh, I mean, as fast as this stuff is spreading in China and Italy and places like that, you know, it's definitely something we need to take serious. Yeah. But to go out and buy every uh, package of toilet paper there is in every Walmart around, I mean, you know, I don't, I, right. I don't understand it. I, maybe you I can tell me what to do is with this toilet paper thing. Man, listen, this is so I've researched it, right? And I have a funny story about the toilet paper thing here in a minute. It just happened today, but um, I've researched it and I found out that most of the and and, and this could be wrong as much as it could be right this is just from what i found out but most of the toilet paper 
that we get in the U.S. is actually imported from China. So I guess the fear is, is that there's now not going to be toilet paper that's going to be imported. So everybody's out buying it up. Right. So me and my wife are at Walmart today and she she's looking for rubbing alcohol and not so that she can disinfect anything. OK, I, my wife, I love my wife to death. She's on this mission to switch out the emblems on her car. So she has a Chevy Traverse and she wants to take the stock emblems off and put black ones on. Okay. So we, we were out running around trying to find rubbing alcohol. Like we went to four different stores. So finally we go to Walmart and we're walking around and we're in the automotive section looking for goo gone. Right. And I walk by and I look and I'm like, Holy crap, there's toilet paper there and it's made for RVs. So while everybody ransacked the part <laughs> over at Walmart for all that toilet paper, they forgot about the RV toilet paper. So we bought all of it. It was like, I don't know, seven <laughs> bags. Uh, you know, we bought every, and we were laughing the whole time. You know, I'm like, we're just buying this just because they they didn't get it. They didn't find it. Yeah. So now it's ours. You know what I mean? So it was a good laugh like that. And then we went to Staples um, looking for rubbing alcohol again. You know, we're thinking, where where could we find rubbing alcohol so we can take off the adhesive and, and clean the car like we need to to put the new emblems on? And she's like, well, what about Staples? So we went going, I go into Staples. And there's this guy buying all the antibacterial wipes, just just like a madman. So he gets to the register, and the cashier's like, hey, man, you know this is a virus, right? And so the guy that was buying the antibacterial just stopped, and he looked at the cashier. And there was like this uncomfortable silence because – Right then, and right then and there, he knew he was kind of stupid. You know what I mean? Like, what am I <laughs> antibacterial for something that's viral? You know what I mean? So it was, it was comical, man. This this whole thing is, I, I work in the banking industry, man, uh, by profession, and I, I do loans and and equity lines and mortgage refinances and stuff. And right now, if you're a consumer and you want any one of those products, like it's prime time because they are dropping rates like crazy. But normally, like when these rate drops go to the bottom like that i'm so busy i can't even breathe right now it's like nobody's doing anything because the economy's so shaken up so it's like so if you guys are looking for a loan right now's the time to do it man because the rates are low 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 but enough about all that man what is uh what is slunger cat i see your your sweatshirt yeah. on there what's that about so slunger cat is a brand that uh that so a few yeah you know several years ago i started the youtube channel um, and when I first started, it was just called Souders Catfishing, and it was kind of boring, and, and you know, I didn't like the name, and, uh, you know, I decided that I wanted to kind of start making something out of this and trying to do something with it, so me and one of my buddies were sitting around one day, and I was like, hey, we need to come up with a name, you know, for this channel so I can start branding it and trying to do something with it, and uh, we're going over names and, and back and forth, and he says, why don't you call it Slunger Cat Outdoors, and I said, well, what is it? He said, well, I don't know. You say it all the time. <laughs> I said, I said, what do you mean I say it all the time? He said, you're always saying slunger. And I got to thinking about it. It made me start thinking. And that was something that uh, that my grandfather said whenever I was younger. That, you know, he would always call something like a big deer or a big fish. That's a slunger of a buck or a slunger of a fish. Oh, and no un kidding. Unknowingly, I picked it up. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
And, you know, so I was like, man, let's do this. I mean, you know, nobody knows what, what it means. You know, so I'm going to constantly be able to tell people what it means. And it means something dear to my heart, yeah. you know, by bringing a little piece of my grandfather into it. And uh, whenever I started getting my website built and had a lady that was helping me brand stuff, she said, well, what's it mean? I said, I don't know. And she looked it up. And it's an appellation noun for a fish or animal of unusual size. No way. Yep. yep. Wow. Uh, and and I had I, I know I know it's hard to believe that I had no flipping idea what it meant. I didn't even know that I used it, you know, in the sense, yeah. you know, and if it wouldn't have been for my buddy Harley, you know, I, I probably would have never come up with the name. That's crazy. So your grandfather using that word and and you probably just thought he was a made up word just like we yeah. make up words all the time. So yeah. actually, that's crazy, man. Good deal. So how was that? I mean, how, how did you build your brand? You started on YouTube. And I imagine back when you started on, it probably wasn't that minimum. Uh, was it 1,000 or 4,000 now before you before you start getting paid? So whenever I started, there wasn't no minimums. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, my channel is not real big now. I think I just hit 10,000 on, uh, on YouTube. But... You know, I really wanted it for, for people that were trying to follow me through the national trails. Uh, whenever I was fishing a lot of tournaments, um, you know, you know, people were trying to want ways to follow me and get information. And that's what I originally started it for. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's kind of just kept with that, you know, to be able to share information you know, through that channel. Yeah. Well, it's nice. I know um, YouTube is my go to now. So if I want to know how to do anything, it's YouTube first. I research it. If I'm going to buy something, it's YouTube first. So, you know, now that I'm getting back into the catfish game, it's get on there, you know, spring, early spring catfish. And of course your video comes up and it's talking about transitions to April and, you know, the flatheads are going to start waking up when you start hitting water yeah. temps, 45, 50 degrees, you know, they're going to start. So run through that, man. So we're talk to me like I'm a beginner catfisherman. Okay. And I'm saying, Hey, Chris, we're, we're coming into April. What should I be doing? What bait should I be throwing? What size? Should I be, you know, bumping? Should I be trolling? What should I do? Yeah, I mean, now, you know, it depends a lot on where you're at in the country. You know, so whenever I try to break that down, I, I break that down individually. You're but, in Ohio, right? Yeah. For okay. our conversation and, and our kind of talk right now, you know, I'm going to talk about the, the Ohio River, Pinal River area. Uh, you know, if we're talking about flatheads, you know, this is the time to start really thinking about things. Really start getting geared up for the spring. That water temperature's at 50 degrees right now. The, the fish are starting to wake up. You know, just like you and I, whenever I wake up first thing in the morning, I need coffee. You know, yeah. I need something to get me going. Well, those fish, as that water temperature warms up, you know, from the smaller fish and then more so to the bigger fish, that need to get up and get moving and start to think about pre-spawn and feeding and, and moving into, you know, what their natural habitat is, that gets more dominant, you know. So right now they're stacked up still. They're still hold up kind of together, staying warm in their wintering holes, kind of deeper water. But as the day gets warmer, they'll move up shallow, you know, back and forth through the day. And then as that water temperature continues to raise up and it goes up into that close to that 60 degree range and then into that 60 degrees, that's that perfect number. And that is whenever we want to get out there, we want to fish as much as we possibly can. That's usually like the end of April, 1st of yeah. May, depending on where you're at. But uh, that is like the perfect time to be on the high river, canal river, uh, you know, small rivers like uh, uh, there's a river that comes into Cincinnati. Uh, the right? Licking? 
licking river and yeah you know that's another good you know those little rivers like that are good flathead rivers uh side of the river that people don't really you know know a whole lot about and i know a few guys that fish out of kayaks and fish those small rivers and have a lot of success yeah and they don't they don't put it out there you know because it's like they you don't, can't yeah yeah they, they don't want a lot of people to know but uh but it's it's very good but gizzard chad right now is like a the best bait you can you could possibly use yeah. in this area. Small chunks? Uh, yeah, you know, right now it just kind of varies. Uh, yeah. But as the spring goes on, you know, and those flat, you really start getting those flatheads, man, don't worry. Don't get, it doesn't really matter what size bait you throw. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, a 40-pound fish, he's hungry. He don't care if it's an M&M or a steak. Yeah. He's going to come after it, you know. Nice. Um, and, and that's another thing, too, you know, if you don't have a lot of bait, you know, you can throw little or a piece of bait, you know, two or three finger piece, you know, wide pieces of bait and still catch big fish, you know. Yeah. Or if you want to just primarily catch big fish, throw, you know, big baits. You know, yeah. good eight, 10, 12 inch pieces of baits, you know, don't worry about how big it is. Eight or 10, 12 inch, that big? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, uh, so yesterday, you and I was talking now. Yeah, yesterday I was throwing baits that were. You know, 12 inch gizzard shad, and I would fillet one side off and then just clip the tail off and throw the whole bait. So, uh, okay, let's talk about that, man, because if it's one thing, well, there's a few things talking about Ohio catfishing, right? And yeah. just to kind of give what my understanding of the history is, like it used to be really good, but then commercial fishing came in and decimated the Ohio River, especially in the Cincinnati area. Absolutely. I mean, just destroyed it, and now it's on the rebound. But a lot of catfish anglers, we don't like to post those because we don't want to expose our big fish back to the public, you know. So the point of not really advertising that is that actually for the conservation of these big catfish that are coming back up, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're in agreement with the commercial catfish. I mean, it's it's really hurt, and I think it's starting to hurt Kentucky and Tennessee now. Is that is that correct? Oh, absolutely. The, you know— all the way down through Kentucky. Kentucky is, you know, it was basically the wild, wild west. You know, they yeah. let them come in, do whatever they wanted to do, however they wanted to do it. Uh, no laws, no regulations. And it just, it, they killed it. You know, it was horrible. Uh, yeah. You know, I've seen it firsthand, you know, what would happen to those those fish. And, but, you know, you, you mentioned something about how people don't like to share information because, they're worried about, you know, what's going to happen to that fit, those fisheries because of the information they're sharing. I, on the other hand, I use it as a learning tool. You okay. know, there's going to be people out there that you cannot change their mind. Um, they, they, you know, they don't care about the fishery and you can't change their mind. But there's mm. a lot of people out there that just don't know. They yeah. think that they, they don't think that they can go and catch a good fish in the Ohio river. And I want them to see that. And I want them to reach out to me and I want the opportunity to teach them, to give them just that little bit of confidence, man, to get out there on that river and get away from, you know, uh, pay lake style fishing. So conservation and, through education. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, you take a big risk. It is a big risk, but yeah. if I can, if I can sway a handful of folks, to, you know, take that, you know, get away from that uh, and come to the river or a lake, you know, around them, man, it's worth every, every bit of it. So a lot of our listeners, and they're all around the world, um, 
and what we mean by specifically about commercial fishermen, we're not talking about people who come and catch the fish to take home and sell to markets. We're specifically talking about pay lakes. If you don't know what a pay lake is, it's it's just a pond that people go and pay money to fish out of, but the the catfish and all the fish that are inside these, you know, quote unquote ponds, right? They're man-made ponds, um, are pretty much stolen from our river systems, like all around here. And it's it's really bad for the fish. Most of the fish don't make it once they're transferred in there. And you know, you can get on exposed pay lakes on Facebook and you can get on YouTube and, and research all that. We won't get into that whole spiel because that's just a, a wormhole we don't want to go down right now. But uh, just educate yourself on that. Now, this is also coming from a guy that when I first started catfishing 20 years ago, it was on a catch fish out of river. What are you talking about? Like for me, it's like you had to go pay $20 and get in two pots and go hit the pay lake. You know, that's that's what we did. It's Friday night man, I got nothing else to do. Let's go grab our poles. We're going to go do an overnight trip at Easy Pay Lake over there in Blanchester. You know what I mean? So that's how I first started catfishing. And it was through education, somebody like teaching me about that. And and when I, when I found out the effects of pay lakes and what actually was going on, it was when I got into the kayak game. Because naturally, when I started kayaking and kayak fishing, I wanted to kayak catfish, right? And one of my buddies that took me out here locally taught me about the effects of commercial fishermen and how the how the pay lakes are decimating our numbers. He like shout out to Josh Mollis, man. If you ever hear this, like it's because of him that I I was educated with all this stuff. So just uh, it, it's just crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy, and it's still like it's still a thing because they're still running trout lines, they're still stealing the fish, and and yeah, it's it's this whole debacle. But man, education through, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, conservation through education. That's huge. I mean, I love that aspect. So I'm kind of, I was kind of hush hush. I never really wanted to show my fish, but I like that, man. I think yeah. that you're onto something. Yeah. I mean, so. you know, a lot of those people are good people, you know, uh, that they just need a little help, need a little, you know, a little help finding the fish and how to catch them. That's all yeah. I So if you you have buddies that that fish out of a kayak, have you ever done it? Have you ever catfished out of one? <laughs> no, no. I want okay. to do it so bad. Yeah. Like I I could just imagine what it's like hooking up to a thirty or forty pound fish in a kayak. <laughs> <laughs> I just got this picture of like you know holding onto the rod and that fish is dragging me like Jaws, dragging the boat in the movie around. Absolutely. You know, he wants it. It's so, a Kayak fishing's a blast, man. Like um, one of our guys, like at the uh, Cincinnati Fishing Expo that we both we both worked and we ran there. Uh, one of my seminars, I had a picture of one of our local anglers here, Kurt Smith, hooked into a 50-pound blue cat on bass gear. So nice. Kurt, during the summer, he he does bass fishing, right? He's a sponsor and he goes around these tournaments and do, and he does all that. In the winter time, he does hybrid striper fishing. That's his passion. And so he just hooked, it was like six inches of snow on the ground, fishing a flooded Ohio river and nailed his 50 pound blue. And, you know, he's holding it up and there was like a news crew there just happened to film the flooding of the Ohio river down here in my town. And they caught him on camera and landing that catfish. It was just this monster blue cat. So, I mean, doing everything from a kayak, it's, it can be a little bit challenging and you got to have some patience, but the reward is so awesome. Right. The patience is you don't have this huge platform to kind of stand up and move around. You know, you're doing everything without really without the use of your legs if you're not standing up. 
right? So it can get kind of tricky and it can get kind of hairy and you're fishing flooded waters on a small plastic boat. I mean, it's, it, but it's fine, dude. I wouldn't change it. Now you saw my rig, the blue sky. I mean, yeah. that thing, I'm, I've already got it rigged out for catfishing. I need to get some of those monster rod holders because I have, I have the yak attack ones, which are like plastic bass rod holders, you know? So I need to get, I need to get some of those monster rod holders and put that on there, but it's ready. I mean, I got, you know, the nine inch sonar, I got an anchor system and that thing. And Oh, I'm, I'm going to buy a bait bucket too, a uh, bait tank. I found one that was, I don't know how many gallon, maybe 15 gallon, but it's going to fit perfect on the back of that thing. So I'll be able to, you know, circulate the shad and keep those alive too and stuff. But that brings me to the question before we started talking about pay laking and stuff, you were talking about bait. Um, yeah. Dude, that is like one of the hardest things for people to find is bait. Now, everybody can find bluegill. Yeah. And, you know, bluegill are kind of a diamond dozen, but we're talking about big gizzard chad and we're talking about skipjack. A skipjack, especially in Ohio, man, nobody can ever find them. And the people do find them, they don't say nothing. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't <laughs> yeah. talk about it. And yeah. it could be, even myself, I'm like, I've been kayak fishing for six years. I have never even snagged one on accident. So tell us, like, tell us about bait, man. Like, where is, if, if don't give up your bait honey hole, I'm not asking you to do that, but just for guys looking for bait, where are some good general areas that they could look for? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, to pick the, to be able to pick the right guy for the right one, the spills guts, you pick the right one. Cause I'm, I'm an open book, <laughs> man. I tell, I'll tell anybody everything. But, uh, oh, man. but no, when it comes to gizzard shad, you know, there are a lot of people that struggle with it. Um, yeah. and there's a couple things that go into it. One, you really, really need to know how to throw a cast net. Um, two, you need to be able to throw, throw it for long periods of time. Uh, don't, don't get a net that is over, uh, uh that over exceeds what your ability is. Yeah. Uh, meaning, you know, I hear a lot of people say you got to have a 1.5 pound per foot, uh, you know, two pound per foot style net, and you really don't. And what that is is how many pounds of lead per foot that net is. Okay, uh, the heavier the style or the idea is, the faster it will sink. Right. Right. But my thought process is, if I can use a bigger uh, diameter net, like say a ten or twelve foot net um, in Kentucky. Now Ohio, you know, you're only allowed a five and a half foot net, so that really yeah, uh, you know, size limitations for you. But uh, but in Kentucky, you, you know, you can use a bigger net. So use the biggest net you possibly can use at like a one pound per foot. And that will save your arm, save your shoulder, you know, when you're throwing it. Because you're going to have to throw it a lot until you learn how to do it, find out where they're at. You know, you're going to be throwing that thing for hours and hours and hours. Wow. And, uh, but that's part of it. But, you know, backwaters, you know, like uh, trying to think of, uh, marinas, you know, any place that's, uh, especially when the river comes up, river comes up and floods, uh, backwaters and marinas are hot spots for gizzard chat. You know, um, another thing to remember is in the springtime, you know, those shad right now, they got eggs in them already. Uh, huh. you know, okay. They're already thinking about coming up and spawning. So they're going to try to find that warmer water, uh, creeks that, you know, their natural want is to swim up river, right? Oh, so I didn't know that. Creek, yeah. So a creek, you know, that is coming out, you know, backwater, they're going to want to kind of try to go up that anyway. Uh, they're going to head towards locking dams. Um, any place that's going to hinder them from going upriver is going to be a high concentration. 
uh, lock of uh, dams like uh, like Markland, Markland Dam. Just yeah, that's a good one. It's just and, over yeah, an hour away. Yeah. Yeah, that is Meldal Dam. Both of those dams are really, really good for skipjack. Yeah, I mean, see, I fished there and I've never had any luck. Yeah, so, you know, um, Meldal Dam, about the middle of May or middle of April, into, you know, all the way through May, you can go there and catch hundreds of them a day. Wow. Off the, off the bank? Yeah, yeah, off the bank. And what are you throwing when you're trying to catch them? Just a twi- different color twisters? Um, let's see. Is you're yeah, allowed three hooks in Ohio, I, I believe. Yeah. Is, like. Yeah. So you're allowed three hooks in Ohio. And what I like to do is I make my own style of sabiki rigs. Okay. Uh, and what it is, is, uh, they're called shiny heinies at Walmart. Yeah. They're just, uh, basically they're a crappie jig. Uh, crappie magnet makes uh, some other ones that are really, really good as well. Uh, they're just a crappie, you know, one sixteenth, one eighth ounce, you know, jig hair jig or curly tail, pink and white, uh, white on white, white and black are all good colors. Wow. And just okay. tie, them, tie them in a line like a speaky, you know, yeah. three, yep. and just kind of throw them out there. You'll find these current seams as they're as it's coming down the river. In the spring at, at the at the Lock and Dams, you'll find real thick current seams coming off walls and stuff, and just work it in that current seam. And mm. you'll, see them, you'll see them come up and dart it, and, you know, you it, it is not uncommon to catch, you know, two, three at a time when they're real hot. Yeah. So that's only a few weeks away before they start turning on then. Oh, yeah. Uh, for people it. that, you know, for people that don't mind traveling a little bit, you know, Kentucky and Barkley Dams down in Kentucky. Yeah. Those are already hitting. They, they've already really? started firing up. Oh, yeah. man. Now, see, I, I was thinking about driving out in Tennessee, like taking a vacation day, spending the day down there throwing for them. So, yeah, man, I didn't know that. I see Terry Rogers always posting up big pictures of of uh, Skip, and I'm like, this freaking guy. As soon as he <laughs> slips up and posts something a backdrop or something, I'm gonna be all over that. I'm, yeah, I, I was. Th- <laughs> Don't tell him I told you where to go. Yeah, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt, man. No, he's he's always posting big baits. So the thing I didn't know about Gizzard Chad, I have my honey holes around here for Gizzard Chad, and one real well one, which I have no problem talking about, is East Fork Lake. Like if you go to East Fork Lake in June or July. It gets so bad. They move up so shallow because that water gets so hot that when you're kayaking, you stick your paddle in, you're literally flipping up probably 10 or 30 or 40 per paddle stroke. Like it it is absolutely insane, man. I've seen it. I've seen probably 200 to 300,000 shad in one area to where like when you throw out your net, you threw most of them back because it was too much. You know, I've got I've got four or five bags that are probably a year old down in the freezer right now. Um, just for shad. So shad is like something I've always been able to really easily catch. And and my buddy, Captain Ryan Davis, he has a charter uh, out of East Fork Lake, does hybrid striper and crappie fishing and stuff like that. He taught me how to look for him. So, you know, on calm flat water, you'll just see a little flipper, a little flicker on the top of the water. And you talked about the same thing in one of your YouTube videos, how to out there. Now to the untrained eye, you would never think that that's a school of shad. And so when I first started learning how to do that, look for that, now I spot them all the time on my kayak because on the kayak, you're almost at water level, you know, and so you really yeah. see them. So, but 12, 12 inch, I'm never hooked on to a 12 inch gizzard chad, man. That's, that's a big one, man. Yeah. Don't, don't hesitate. Yeah. Don't, I mean, you know, I don't know how big they are in East Fork Lake. They're not that big that I've seen. But you know, uh, a good live bait for me is, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine inches. Yeah. Know, live gizzard chad. And if 
for me, uh, the bigger the gizzard shad, the better. It just seems like they got more oil, they got more blood, uh, yeah. more meat, you know, more meat on them, and and it's just more flavor. Uh, yeah. The smaller the gizzard shad, seems like the less, you know, consistency I get with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I always say that I can take a big gizzard shad and cut it down to small pieces, but I can't take a small gizzard shad and make it big. Exactly. You know, and and if if people you know, something else, too, if, if people will let the little ones go and not, you know, and that's something else that you'll learn as people start catching more and more bait to use a bigger mesh net whenever they're casting them. And that'll yeah. let the small ones come out and catch just what you need. I I don't know what size my net is. And now you got me double thinking it. I've had it and I've thrown it for a long time. I didn't know it was a five foot, five and a half foot uh, requirement for Ohio. And that's max, right? Yeah, no. So that. Let's see, it's radius and diameter. Yeah, you know? explain so, that. I think that's a good thing when we're talking about cast nets. Yeah. Yeah. So one is going to be, and I may have this backwards now uh, since you're putting me on the spot, but five <laughs> foot radius is like a ten foot diameter. I gotcha. Right. Yeah. So uh, if it's if you can hold it up and it's five foot tall, that's going to go out to five foot or ten foot. You know, when it's completely stretched out. Yeah. Okay. That's the one I have then, because my my buddy Ryan, he's the one that that told me to get that one so yeah. cool he's one taught me how to throw cast net too man and uh it gets you wet when you throw it, it you, i think you got to be ready to be oh, wet, yeah. slimy so yeah, do you put the lead in your mouth or do you do uh, it the other way no nah, dude I, nah. I i used to throw in sewer discharges and stuff whenever yeah. i was you know and I, I i used to put the lead in my mouth and i ended up getting like this big old nasty nah. sore <laughs> <laughs> And I come home and I thought my wife was going to kill me because she thought I was out doing something I wasn't supposed to. Oh, I, no. I, there. I got to learn a different technique, you know. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. What was that show? It's on Netflix, Blackwater. Ugh. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that yet, man. That was well, crazy. See, I, that's right there where I work. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, I work just down river. I work in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is just down river from where that actually, that plant is. That's uh, crazy. Our, yeah, our line actually... Uh, you know, feeds that plant and, you know, get, that's where they get their chemicals from is our, is our railroad. Wow. That's nuts. If you guys haven't seen that, that is a freaking awesome documentary, but it'll make you throw out all your frying pans. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. So what is, why is skipjack like the number one catfish bait? Is it because it's so big and oily? I mean, that's when everybody talks about catfish and they specifically are on a craze to find skipjack and that's like the the best so what what is the reason for that so i don't want to i don't think it's the best you know uh i'm a person that loves gizzard shad yeah you know um now each bait has its best time and place depending on the species you want to go after so and i'll kind of break that down a little bit so if we're talking about blue cats in this in the winter time I gizzard shad. I like big cuts of gizzard shad. Big As, cuts. Yeah, big cuts of gizzard shad in the wintertime for blue cats. Huh. Um, you know, that's you know that's what we was trying to catch this weekend. And, you know, if I want a 50-pound blue cat this time of year, I'm throwing a, you know, a 12-inch piece of bait, 8-inch piece of bait. You know, I'm not going to hesitate to do that. Wow. Uh, but as spring comes around, you know, and I start seeing people catching skipjack, then I know those skipjack are on the move. And I'm going to start switching things over. I'm going to start adding skipjack into the mix. 
And then uh, as the summer, or as the spring moves on, uh, gizzard shad will kind of move to the wayside and it'll be mainly skipjack. And then as the water temperature warms up even more, it'll go from skipjack to carp. And carp? Asian, yeah, Asian carp, common carp, uh, you know, your common grass carp, and then like a quail fin. I don't know if you know what a quail fin no. carp is. So, uh, and everybody's seen one. If they've been on the river, that they've tried yeah. to cast net anything, you've seen one. But it looks just a regular carp, but it's got a long, thin, uh, like almost like a hair on its on its fin on its uh. back. And it, and I that's what's called a, a quail back uh, carp. So those in the hot summertime, the dog days of, of summer, yeah, yeah, you, you know, carp, moon eye, uh, skipjack, grass carp, stuff like that are excellent baits. I've and never fished with carp. I've never even heard of that. That's the first for me. Yeah, and see, and that's something I think, you know, that that goes back to that question that she was asking, you know, why why do I think that carp or skipjack are supposed to be like the best bait for blue cats? And I think it's a mindset that, that people have been driven into that they have to use skipjack to catch blue cats. And and that's not the case. Skipjack has its time and place. But depending on the time and, you know, things throughout the year will depend on what baits might be better than skipjack. No kidding. What about where's bluegill following that? Because a lot of guys like to fish live bluegill because they're so durable. Yeah. So if you're a flathead fisherman, channel cats uh, love bluegill. Flatheads love bluegill. Um, one thing to remember with bluegill, even with blue cats, is they are a predator fish to a catfish. And I know that sounds weird. But, you know, they eat a lot of the eggs, a lot of the larvae, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, so a catfish may not hit it because it wants to eat it, but it will hit it, especially in the springtime, because it knows it's pissed off at it. And it knows that, you know, it's going to try to eat its eggs and it's going to crush and kill it. And it no, may not I never, I never knew that. Yeah. And this is, huh. I guess this is. Yeah, I told you, man. I'm like an open book. I'm man, like, I'm telling you, bro. See, now, now yeah. I'm all in now, man. So I'm, I'm gonna give this tip, and this is a good one. This is a good one. I, I mean, these, you know, these guys better listen up to this one. Okay, <laughs> this is like pouring out the five-gallon bucket here. So if you're a flathead fisherman and you're fishing, um, you know, in the spring and kind of, at, you know, into their spawning time, and you're using live bluegill, use live bluegill this time. Okay, hook them. In the back, not in the nose, but in the back, to where they can swim around and fight really hard. If there's a flathead in the area, he may not hit it because he wants to eat it. He's going to hit it because he's going to crush it. And if you miss him, don't get discouraged. Hook another bluegill up and throw it right back out there. He will kill them bluegill every time that you throw it there. One of the two things are going to happen. He's, you're either going to tick him off and he's going to move out, or you're going to stick a hook in him. Yeah. One and, and I've actually had to throw up to three bluegills in one spot before I actually got a hook in. That's crazy. What size hook are we using? Uh, Seven-aught Diachis. Diachis. Okay. So not Gamagatsu, but Diachi. And you going circle hook, or are you just going the traditional? No, I'm a circle hook guy. Are you? Uh, you like those? Yeah. Snell, you snell it? Yep. Uh, yeah. I snell them. And the reason I like Diachi is it's kind of a double action. Hook. It's not specifically 
a true circle hook. You know, a true circle hook, the, the point will actually come back and almost turn down, huh. you know, to where a double action, it's it's kind of just, it just bends back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a circle hook, but you can still get away. Um, or, you know, once again, I put a lot of people on my boat, uh, taking fish and teaching them things, and they're new. They're beginners, right? You know, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to grab that rod and jerk it. And yeah. whenever they do it, I can, they can still get away with it and, and not lose a fish every single time, where if you do that with a circle hook, you're going to lose that fish. No so kidding. it's kind of benefits to, benefits to that. Okay. I'll have to look into that. And that's something you can get a Bass Pro in any of these places around here, or is it just the online yeah. only? Well, um, I'm sure, I don't know if you can get them at Cabela's or Bass Pros around here or not, but uh, TTI Blakemore is the website that I send them all to. Um, yeah. You can buy them super cheap. I mean, you can get like a hundred pack for 65 bucks, which when it yeah. comes to good quality hooks, that's a fair price. Yeah, absolutely. What size weights are you throwing? Oh man, that's, I'm, I like Depending big on weights. Current, yeah. 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 But I'm, I'm normally throwing six, eight, 10 ounces weights. Wow. You know? uh, now I love going different places and fishing, you know, like James river, Mississippi yeah. river, places like that. Uh, you know, on the James River, it's not uncommon to throw a 14 or 16 ounce weight. That's insane. Yeah. And then you go to the Mississippi and uh, you're drifting. Heck, you may be drifting with, you know, 24, 30 ounces of weight. That's insane. I use like three, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what you were making, I, I see that you got little, uh, uh, some containers back there full of lead, man. Do you make your oh, own yeah. stuff? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I lose so much lead, so I think that's what's wrong with me. I sit out here and melt it so much. It's <laughs> burning me. It's getting to you, huh? That's crazy. So do you use, like, old tire weights? No. So what I'll do is I will uh, – man, I'll ask around. You know, I'm like a, I'm like the guy on the corner, you know, begging for money. Like, if contractors, uh, people like that, if you see them working on a hospital, go talk to them because when they get that lead out of those x-ray rooms – that is the purest lead you can get, and it's hard to get your hands on, but, man, that's some of the best lead. It's real soft. You can fold it up. Because in those x-ray rooms, it's just big sheets in the walls. Oh, I didn't know nothing that. Nothing but lead. <clears throat> but now, oh, tire, weights, yeah, tire weights are good, but they're nasty. you got a lot of steel and a lot of stuff that's inside of them, and yeah. uh, you got to be careful with it. I, I was melting some lead down here in the, in the garage one day, and, and we got a block from a salvage yard. And whoever melted it down into that block didn't get it hot enough, and there was an air pocket in the center of it. But when the outside of that got hot enough, it blew up, and my dad was with me. And thank the Lord above, man, but it blew up, and it hit his whole chest, missed his face, and then got his got Oh, his my gosh. Yeah. So did not hurt him at all. Scared us to death. But the only place that he didn't have covered, it completely missed it, you know? And we've learned there that whenever we get big chunks, to take them outside and melt them down with a torch and then bring them in. Wow. Yeah, I just buy my stuff, man. I don't know how to make it. I don't have all that stuff. So I'm that sucker. It's been an ungodly amount of money on weights, you know. I get on eBay, and you can find some pretty good deals on eBay, I guess. But, man, I've never used that that heavy. I'm doing it all wrong, man. I'm just I'm figuring out. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> So that's crazy. What um, what waters do you like to fish the most? So I I love West Virginia, uh, but you know like so I fish Southern Ohio, 
the high river, but I'm really falling in love with the West Virginia borders of the high river. Yeah. So West Virginia does a phenomenal job back in 2006, 2007. I, I want to thank, they started stocking blue cats and they completely protect their waters. So we're really, Ohio, I didn't know that. Yeah. Where Ohio and West Virginia border each other. There is no commercial fishing at all. None. And to even go farther, they, a couple of years ago, we had some guys that was coming in and they found a loophole in the, in the trout line stuff. So, and they found a loophole in how many fish you was allowed to keep with the number of people you was allowed to keep on the boat, right? Well, instantly West Virginia got a hold and I heard that and they closed all the loopholes in their laws. So you're only allowed like one blue cat over a certain length, one flathead over a certain length. There's, you're, you're only allowed so many flatheads in the boat, no matter how many people you got in the boat. Oh, that's amazing. So many hooks. I mean, they've done a phenomenal job closing those hook, you know, those <laughs> loopholes. So I spend a lot of time in that, in that body of water and the fish are getting phenomenally big. Really? In, in a short 12 year period, you know, we have, we're seeing 50 pound fish. No kidding. There's a yeah. guy at, I know lives out there, Justin Vaught. I think it's how you say his last name. He's I have him on Facebook. He does. He gets some monster fish out there in West Virginia, man. He's, good, a he's a good friend of mine. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Tattoo guy. Oh yeah. 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 He's man, a, he does he's some an excellent wicked looking tattoos. Yeah. I heard he was really great, man. I see he posts his work on and stuff on Facebook a lot. So he, he loves to fish out of a kayak, man. Yeah. yeah. He, he used to, then there was a there was a little shop out there in West Virginia that sold kayaks, and man, he got into a big time there for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, he got some really nice fish out of that kayak he was in. Oh yeah, um, there's another one, uh, buddy of mine owns out there, and and I got a friend that's sponsored in West Virginia. They sell a bunch of stuff, and I'm trying to think where that is. It out of Hurricane? Is it is it West Virginia Outdoors? No, it's like no. um, I have to look it up on Facebook, man. Andrew Hitchcock is the guy's name that owns it. I don't have to remember it, but uh, he's a good dude out there. We um, we saw a lot of kayaks to people out in West Virginia. They'll drive here and buy kayaks from us in Ohio all the time. Yeah. So it's only like a four and a half hour trip, I think, to get there, if that. Yeah, it's, it not, that, it's not that far. Yeah. Um, me, and then, Cincinnati's only two and a half hours. Oh, from you? Yeah. Oh, that ain't bad. See, now I'm that's something I'm willing to drive. You know, I'd be, I'd leave at three, four a.m., drive over there, hit the water all day, and come home. That's just, I had no problem with that. Elevation sports, that's what it's called. I got you. Yeah, so they sell a bunch of kayaks out there, and then uh, uh, the James River, I heard, it's like the best smallmouth river around in America. So, I fish. Er, I, I fish on the lower end of the James for catfishing. Yeah. But I've I've gotten to work on the James River up in the mountains. Yeah. And that is some of the most beautiful water I've ever seen. Man, I can only imagine. I'm getting jealous. Now, everybody, when it comes to catfishing, they automatically think that Tennessee is the Mecca. And I think, like, if you search kayak catfishing specifically, man, you're going to see another Justin down there that just smacks everybody because he's always catching fish. So <laughs> do you think um, do you think Tennessee is like the Mecca, or do you think it's more like South Carolina and North Carolina, or do you think it's now West Virginia? Well, I – that's a hard question. Uh, Tennessee yeah. is good. Tennessee is phenomenally good. Um, but I think it's it's depending on your style of fishing. So yeah. the James River out in, in Virginia 
is, is phenomenal. Um, the Mississippi River is probably one of my favorite bodies of water to fish. Uh, it's really fast current. You're bumping. You know, it's just a different style of fishing. It's challenging. And I think that's that's something that uh, kind of drives people away from it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Tennessee is, is something that doesn't matter if you're in a boat, a bank, a kayak. You know, that's a place you can go and fish and have success. Yeah. With big, big stripers out there, too. Big stripers, big, big catfish, you know. Yeah. Uh, lots of guides down through there. You know, if you're somebody that likes to you know, take a guide and, and try to learn a body of water. Yeah. Uh, before you go down there, you know, that kind of thing. Which is kind of crazy. I heard Tennessee waters are some of the most polluted, too, though. Uh, they, you know, they have some of the toughest regulations. Like, you're not allowed to eat none of the, none of the fish, you know. So, yeah. That's weird. You didn't. You wouldn't think that a highly polluted body of water, well, bodies of water, would produce that big a fish. But that's kind of crazy, man. Yeah. Hey, you just you just said something that sparked up a thought, man. I meant to ask you about this. So you said bumping. So there's a lot of different styles of catfish, and I think a lot of people may just be under the pressure that you just hook a big old bait and throw it out there and put your feet up and drink a beer and that's it. So what it tell us about the different styles of fishing, man. Like what method would you do per time of year if something's not working for you how do you switch this up so walk us through all that yeah so you know you know this time of year i'm anchor fishing you know i just uh you know we just got you know an anchor set up this is just a regular anchor set up with a a three-way that sinker slide a sink you know regular 200 pound barrel swivel about 24 inches of leader line got a demon dragon in the middle you know Big reel, big line, 50-pound mono, 80-pound uh, leader line. You know, that's just a regular basic anchor fishing style setup, you know, uh, for a lot of people. And that, that can kind of be from a bank setup, a kayak, uh, you know, from a boat, you know, current style setup. But now as things progress into the summer and into the warmer months, uh, you'll want to change that up. Now, if you're a flathead fisherman, you know, the odds are you're going you're gonna to anchor primarily most generally all the time as long as they're current you know but now if you're a blue cat fisherman as that water temperature reaches 55 degrees you want to start moving baits you know drifting uh drifting is just where you're going with the current you know and you've got your line suspended or you know a lot of people are starting to learn how to drift with planer boards backwards yeah where you can get a big spread on things and then bumping you know uh, bumping is you need uh, for me to bump i need about two and a half mile an hour current or more uh, to be, for me to feel like I'm going to be effective bumping. Uh, anything under that, I feel like I can dead stick or drift with planter boards and be successful for blue cats. So bumping, what exactly are you doing, man? You're just bouncing your weight or are you bouncing the, the bait off the bottom and structure? So what you're doing is, you know, basically like I'm sitting here in a boat, you know, and I'm drifting with the current back, you know, down the river. And I'm going to slow my boat down, you know, and it, the, the, the speed is not like a, a definite, but I always start with half, half of whatever the current's moving. So if the current is moving three mile an hour, I slow my boat down with my trolling motor to one and a half. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll set, you know, I'll adjust my weight. I'll put a cannon, cannonball style weight on and I'll let line out, out the back of the boat until it hits the bottom. And then I'll just start bumping, you know, picking it up and setting it down. And I'll just keep oh, letting okay. line out as it goes back behind the boat. And then you'll finally get it back there to a sweet spot where you'll pick it up and it'll just sit down 
every time, and about every third time you pick it up and set it down, you'll let out just a few inches of line, and that's kind of what I call the, the sweet spot, you know, and that's, that, you know, that could be about 100, 200 foot behind the boat. No kidding. Yeah. So what does that cause, a reaction strike? What's the purpose of that? Well, you know, blue cats are, you know, they, they got more action to them. They're, you know, they're more aggressive, I guess you could say. And I don't want to say, I don't want to use that term aggressive, but kind of, you know, they're, they hunt more, you know. So instead of going down into the structure and waiting on something to come to me like a flathead would, or waiting until night to kind of go up in the shallow and hunt for something, a blue cat will stay out there in the current. And as you're bumping it down through there, uh, you know, you're slowing it down and you're letting that scent go down through there. So that blue cat is kind of smelling it and he's kind of coming out there looking for it. And then as you're bumping it down through there, you're, you know, he's already moved in front of that scent line and he just grabs that bait. And oh, what you're doing okay. is you're just setting yourself up for more percentage. You know, you're moving it down through that ledge or down through that body of water. And the, the percentage of putting that bait in front of more fish in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Okay. So what's the purpose of a demon dragon? And you just, you held it up there again and it was rattling for us, for, for people in the bass world, it looks like a big spook. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, uh, I, and this is something I've really thought about and, and I've got some friends that are bass fishermen, but I haven't really, haven't, and, and maybe you should try this. But these are, these were, were just basically what would have been called the, the Sierra Spook. One Knox were the original. You know, you got you know, bass fishermen use them today. And you know, they still, we still got the, the, the third place for a treble hook right there. But now, since from the original ones, these have been molded to a different way. And there's actually three different sounds inside of them, three different rattles. And so, Whenever they was first originally uh, designed, it was designed for dragon, you know. And I had a I, one of my buddies, Scott Manning, was the one that one that uh, you know originally started them. And, and I want to tell the story because a lot of people, this is a big like controversial thing. Do they work? You know, they're expensive. Why do I want to spend the money on them? You know, I can't. I don't want to believe what you say, kind of thing. You know. Mm -hmm. So for years, Scott. Every time Scott would see me, he'd say, hey, man, I want you to try these out. You know, I, you know, I'll give them to you. I just want you to try them out. I'm like, nah, Scott, I'm good. You know, I don't want to, I don't bass fish. You know, yeah. uh, why in the world would I want to rattle and a float, you know? And so two years of that went by. And finally he come and he just threw me a pack of them. And it was the, the what is called the 3.0s. And he said, just try them. So I was out fishing. And uh, wasn't catching squat. I was actually pre-fishing for a tournament. And I wasn't catching nothing. Low current. I was flathead fishing. And I broke one off. And I like to keep my word, you know, in, in some way, shape, or form. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I open, a, open up my box, and I see him laying there. And I told, I, I remember telling Scott that I would try him. Yeah. And I thought, what better time to try him than now? The fish ain't biting, you know. I could tell him I tried them, tell him they didn't work, and, you know, <laughs> make him happy, right? So I tied one on, threw it out there, and I'll be daggone if I didn't catch fish on it. And, and I thought, well, that's just a fluke, a mistake, you know? Well, the next day I had to turn it. I cut it off. I didn't, you know, I didn't want nobody seeing I was using them, you know, because I, 
I was actually ashamed to even say that I had caught a fish. <laughs> no. And uh, so a few weeks went by, and I was back out uh, fishing again. Same situation, low current, flathead fishing. I broke one off, and I thought, well, what the heck? I'll try it again. And I caught another one. And I'm like, no, wait a second. Something's got to give here. Is this a fluke, or is there something to it? So I started right. trying it like half and half. And what I found out was, real quick, that they did not shy away from it. It did not spook them. They didn't care, right? But when the bite was really, really tough, I could put a live piece of bait, like a live bluegill or a live gizzard chad, on that rattle and throw it out there. And it would sit there, and it would rattle so much that the way I look at it, those fish are getting so ticked off because that, that thing is just sitting there making so much noise that they come up there just to kill it because it, it's they're, they're pissed off at it. No kidding. And that is my 100% honest truth to that. You know, that I honestly believe that is why they like them. I, and I don't think that they like them. I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I always tell people in my seminars, I, I give it to a kid and I say, rattle this beside of your father and see how long it takes it before it ends up across the room. <laughs> it wouldn't take and, me long. And, and it clicks. It hits that, you know, and that guy's like, yeah, I understand. I, I yeah. see what you're meaning. You know, but so basically they're, they were designed to float your bait up because they are float, but they make a lot of noise too. So it's, it's designed, you know, catfish. Uh, another thing is people think that catfish are just old stink bait, you know, uh, the nastiest stuff you can, you can put out there. That's what they want, right? Right. But it's it's not. I mean, as we as we uh, continue to learn more and more about these fish, uh, we're continuing to learn that they're more complex than a lot of other fish. Uh, you know, in particular, like bass. You know, they're they're just as complex on how many, you know, like how many taste buds a flathead has on it. You know, as a as a fully grown flathead, they have something like two hundred thousand taste buds on it. I never knew that. So. You know, there's a lot to how, you know, they feed in a muddy river compared to what, a, you know, another fish may feed in a real crystal clear lake. Yeah. So, you you know, that, that fish has to use all of its senses and not just once. And, we, and I try to, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how to take advantage of that either way. And this is one of those things where we can take advantage of that. Huh. That's interesting, man. And so the, the other thing a lot of people use, I think it's, is it the Carolina Carolina rig where they have that big float that keeps your bait off the bottom too, right? Am I, is yeah. that the right rig? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's basically, uh, let's see here. or a Santee Cooper rig. Is that what it is? Yeah. So basically this is the, this is a, a dragging rig, a Santee rig. Um, as you can see, I got a fast clip, but this still the same sinker slide, uh, same barrel swivel, but instead of being an 18 to 24 inch, you know, a 30 inch uh, leader line, you're going to have about three foot. And then, you know, this is going to be more towards the hook. Yeah. Uh, you're only going to have about six inches here so that that bait can float up more into the water column. And, and that helps with a big piece of bait? Yeah. Well, you know, as far as how big the bait is and how much that will float, you know, weight wise, I can't tell you honestly, you know, how much that's going to float. But yeah. I know specifically this. This float here, you know, with a big skipjack head or a big shad head, something like that, it's going to float it up. 
And a lot of that's going to depend on how fast you're moving, how fast the current is, you know, things like that. Yeah. So you use mono and not braid to mono leader, braid to fluorocarbon. What's uh, Why do you use mono to mono now? It seems like everybody goes to braid. Yeah, so me personally, you know, I fish a lot of structure, a lot of cover. Uh, you know, I always tell people, especially if you're going to flathead fish, uh, the nastier stuff you can get in, the better, mm-hmm. you know, for flathead. And whenever you hook one, you know, they, they want to go right back into where they was at. And you got to pull them. A lot of times you got to pull them out of that structure. And, you know, mono gives you that little bit of abrasion resistance to where braid doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever you get them out of that structure and, and you're really fighting that fish, that mono is going to stretch a little bit, you know, because you're going to make mistakes. And you're going to try to overpower it. And you're going to make those mistakes. And that mono is going to help you minimize those mistakes by stretching a little bit. Yeah. And what size, what size mono do you like to roll with? What's your leader and what's your main line? So my main line is 50 pounds and my leader line is 80. Wow, that big, yeah. huh? Yeah, you know, a big, uh, and what got me to use those the, that big of a leader line is, you know, going to these bigger places with big blue cats. The blue cats have such a rough tooth pad. And anybody mm-hmm. grab a hold of a blue cat by the mouth. For sure. And they, they crunch down on them and it starts rolling. You yeah. know, you know, they can they can bust a 50-pound leader line, you know, nothing flat. So I, I bumped it up to 80. Uh, I know some people that use 100. That's crazy. I have 65 pound braid on my reels on my pin warfare. And then I have 40 pound mono as a leader. I'm going to have to switch that up now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you can, I mean, I know a lot of people that, that use braid and yeah. there's one instance that I use braid over mono and that's bumping just so I can feel everything. Yeah. Um, you know, you were using smaller reels, a, a smaller style of rod, so you gotta have that line capacity, and you gotta be able to feel everything as you're bumping down through there. Yeah. Know? But now, as far as everything else goes, that's I think that's a personal preference. You know, that's I feel confident in that. And if, if somebody feels confident in braid, and they have their setup set right to where if that fish takes off, you know, it's gonna pull drag nice and smooth that style of thing. Yeah, that's for them. But if you're fishing structure, I would highly recommend you know you switch over to mono. And do you have different rods for different applications, or do you use the same style rod, which I'm guessing is probably a heavy style, a heavy action rod, right? Well, I I'm a kind of a different t- style of person, you know. Uh, for blue cats, I use a heavy action rod, but mm-hmm. for flatheads, I want something that's basically a pool movie. You know, I want something yeah. that's got a real soft tip, uh, real fast action, you know, medium heavy action rod, and that's you know they you. A flathead does not get the justice that they need. They will grab a hold of a piece of bait, and if they go to back up with that and feel any tension at all, they'll spit it out. So, you know, having that nice, soft tip to let them come up, they'll grab it, and then they'll turn. And when they turn, it's too late. You know, that circle hook is already starting back where it needs to be. Yeah. And, you know, but you've got to be able to let them turn. So I have two medium-heavy Warrior Cat um, roller rods. And I use those in my kayak a lot, especially when I'm drift fishing, because I love them because those rollers are meant to take all the the resistance off of the pole, you know, so that, you know, if you're flathead or blue, even blue cats, man, they just take it and they can't feel it until it's too late. Kind of like you said, man, you know, that line rolls off there that and they are they're real flimsy, but they have real 
nice backbones on them. So I, I, those, those two are my favorite rods, man. And then I have two just, I think I have, um, I have this two warrior cat ones and then I have a shatter cat rod. And then, uh, I bought one of, uh, the YouTube guys, uh, muddy river catfishing rods. Oh yeah. 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 Which, oh, you know, I gotta say, I love his freaking reels, man. Like his reel seats and his handles, that rubber material he used on there and all metal reel seats. I'm like, okay, those are pretty nice, but yeah. Yeah, they're good rods, man. I love my Warrior Cats, though. Those are the ones I use the most. So Yeah, oh, Chris Flores, he makes a pretty good rod. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, he's a good dude, too, man. So if anybody ever wants to look up him, he's, he's what, New Mexico? Is that where he's at? Yeah. He yeah. told me, I talked to him at the Catfish Conference a couple of years back, and he said he he took his whole savings and put them in those rods, and it's like he's going to make it or not, you know. And, and I think he's pretty successful now, isn't he, selling them? Yeah, he's doing pretty good. And man, he fishes some really skinny water. I mean, yeah, he ditches. Does. Yeah, he yeah, it's exactly fish. what it is. It's ditches here. You're right, yeah. man. And he catches some nice fish, man. Yes, he does. Yeah. So, what's your what's your personal best? So, personal best blue cat is 72. Wow. And uh, personal best flathead's 56. Uh, my personal best flathead's 44, and I think my personal best blue cat's in the 20s, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the flathead, personal best flathead, come from West Virginia waters and uh, Tennessee waters for blue cat. Wow, that's amazing. So when you guys tournament fish, do you go by pound or length? Uh, pound. Pounds. Well, pound and length because, you know, we're, most tournaments we're at, you're only allowed two over a certain length and then so many under a certain length. So uh, some, some tournaments are three fish limit. Some tournaments are five fish limit. Oh, so, okay. You know, depending on where you're at, you're allowed maybe two blue cats over 34 inches, and then the rest of them have to be under 34 inches. Oh, no kidding. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and a lot of times those three fish that are under are more important than the two overs. Huh. Because so I've never, usually in, in the tournament world from um, on this end, on the bass ends, the bigger the better, period. You know, five fish limit. Yeah. You want them as big as possible, as long as possible, not weight-wise, because they go by length. But a lot of the kayak tournaments now, they always go by length as well, not pounds. So um, there's always controversy in tournaments. Whenever you're talking about competitive fishing and money gets involved, there's always some kind of controversy. We had one recently in the kayak world where a bass fisherman was accused of cheating because he was able to bend his measuring device and this, you know, quote unquote, trying to gain extra length doing it, right? That's yeah. what the accusations were. Whether he really did that is still under debate. But um, now they have all metal measuring devices, so uh, to to prevent that from happening. So, how do you? I'm trying to ask the right question here. So you guys have to use a certain net, and is that net something that you have to get checked out before the competition starts? No. So. We have to keep those fish alive. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, we have to have, I have a hundred gallon live well in my boat. And, you know, I, I have pure oxygen, oxygenators, you know, uh, you know, bubblers, stuff like that inside my live well to, you know, circulate the water, flush the water out. And as we put those fish in there, we have to take them to the live, you know, to the weigh in at a certain time, weigh all our fish in. And they have to be alive. Wow. Uh, and and then they, you know, you have to measure them too. So if there's if you're only allowed having two over 34 inches, 
if you put them on your board and you have any question at all, you better know what your board reads compared to what their board is going to read because you go off of their board. So yeah. a lot of times I will pre-check my board with the tournament director's board to make sure everything lines up correctly. Oh, no kidding. What kind of board do you use? It's just, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know the name of it. Um, it's just an aluminum board that I believe I bought it at Cabela's. Huh. Uh, you know, and it's got, you know, it's got a taller front end on it, but it's just, it goes out to like, more than 40 inches. I'm going to have to get you hooked up with Duke Westcamp of Catch Inc., Catch Products Inc. So he he makes all the bump boards now. Well, not all of them, but the majority of the aluminum bump boards for competitive bass fishing. But he's expanded into muskie and now yeah. catfishing. So he's making one that's, I think it's $90, but it, it extends out to like 50 inches or something, you know. Heck so yeah. I'll have to put you guys in touch with each other, man. He's a great dude, man. Duke's a really good dude. I actually have one of his boards back here behind me that he made for the the Jackson kayak team. So uh, how are the pots in catfish tournament, man? Is there pretty good payouts in those? Yeah, so it's growing. So yeah. whenever I first started this, you know, uh, 10, 12 years ago, you know, you you really didn't do it to think you was going to win money, right? I right. mean, it was just like a bunch of good guys out fishing a tournament and you was having fun. But now, you know, we're getting 50, 60, you know, $1,000 payouts. And Wow, you know, that much, huh? Yeah, there's, I mean... You know, it is definitely not uncommon to see a ten or twelve or fifteen thousand dollar payout, and there's as much as you know thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar payouts coming. Wow, that's amazing! And we've yeah. had up to a hundred thousand in the kayak world. <laughs> yeah. So the NC, like last year, I think it was like seventy-five and some change. The year before that was a hundred thousand. We have a guy here locally won forty-five thousand. The kayak competition aspect is unfreaking real how much money you can win and on their tournament trail you can win some coin like wow. first place ten thousand prizes like ten thousand dollars first place is not uncommon so and that's just on a general <laughs> tournament trail like it is so much money and now ron i i can't i i'm gonna butcher his last name heimerhaven or hamerhaven or something like that he's doing a lot of kayaking trying to get a kayak catfish trail going on too and he's working with chad hoover of kbf to try to get that established so i don't know man i think we're going to switch gears and, and do more of the catfishing this year just because i love that was my number one passion growing up was was catfishing and i lost that and i'm going to get back into it but um you know i got this kayak thing down pat you know i've been doing it for so long and now i have the perfect rig you know i could even put an outboard on my rig if i wanted to and and you know up to like three horsepower nothing huge of course but but uh, most importantly, I got to get you on it. Yes. So when this weather warms up, bro, I mean, I can't put you on there now. It wouldn't be safe, but with the cold weather and you have the gear. <laughs> but uh, when it warms up, man, we start getting that May, June, and the water temps get up there. We're going to have to hit it. And we'll go, I'll come to you, and we'll fish your water, but we'll do it in a kayak and, hey, and knock it May, out of the park. May is like, I'm telling you, Ray Charles can catch it. Flathead around here, oh, that's what I'm talking about. I'll it and the boats on me. I'll bring you the boats, man. Like Please. I'll put you on my blue sky and let you sit comfortable. So <laughs> hey, no, Tyson, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie, I'll be nervous. Yeah, I, I'll be nervous. Oh, uh, it's not that well. The blue sky is 13, almost 14 feet long and four feet wide. You that one's pretty awesome. Like if if you're gonna transition from a bass boat to a kayak, that is definitely the one you want to go to. Because, I mean, you can, the seat spins 360 degrees. You don't even have to get out of your seat to fish. You just spin your seat around in circles, and it's 
it's stupid awesome man like it's seriously it's awesome i'll send you some pictures when i get finished getting rigged up uh initially i was going to go out tomorrow and go catfishing but it's been raining all day and i think the ohio river is going to be completely blown out so i probably won't go but um tell us about the tv show man i mean how did you how did you get into the cable show and what channel and what network is it on yeah so man last year you know uh well actually a year and a half ago now i uh I was running the tournament trail really, really hard. And I come home one day, and I got a little girl, man. And she was, at the time, she was like four years old, uh, getting ready to turn five. And she, she looked at me, and I was getting ready to leave to go out of town. And she said, Daddy, when are you going to be home? And, man, I tell you what, that there's not a feeling in the world like getting kicked in your gut by a mm. four-year-old because, you, you know, you haven't been home for weeks on end because you've been running a national tournament trail. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I thought to myself, you know what? Hey, I don't have nothing to prove. You know, I've, I've been able to, I've been blessed enough to win two uh, national championships. And, and, you know, what else do I have to prove to anybody? Right. Uh, and, I, and I decided to take a step back from the national tournament stuff. And lo and behold, like, I was just fishing, you know, concentrating on the YouTube channel, uh, just having fun. And, that you know this guy calls me he's like hey have you ever thought about doing a tv show and i'm like yeah i mean who wouldn't you know right <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh and I, I thought he was kidding you know i thought you know I, you know i told jenny about it and and uh i, I really thought this guy was full of crap you know yeah. and if he wa- if he ends up watching this i'm sorry but <laughs> but uh but you know a month went by and he calls me back and he says hey this is preston you know, uh, he's like, I want to get together, go out to uh, go out to lunch and start talking about getting this stuff moving. I said, what are you talking about? I, I had actually done forgot about, you know, him asking me that question. And he said, the TV show. I said, you're serious, ain't you? He said, yeah, yeah. What, what do you mean? I said, uh, I said, no, you're serious about wanting to do a TV show about catfishing. Yeah. He said, yeah. He said, uh, yes, we're absolutely, you know. And uh, so we met, we, we ate dinner, and uh, he's like, man, you know, here's the idea. We want to take, uh, you know, catfishing is growing. It is the fastest growing sport fish, and it's not even technically a sport fish. Right, uh, which blows you know, my mind. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's the fastest growing, you know, thing right now, and we want to, uh, you know, make a nationally televised TV show about it, and we're going to call it Catfish Crazy. And I'm like, holy smokes. This is real. And uh, so, yeah, so they picked it up. Uh, Last year, we went out and we filmed uh, eight shows last year uh, all over the country. Uh, One of the things that one of my things with it was that I wanted it to be informational. Um, I didn't I didn't want to put into somebody's mind that they had to go out there and catch a 50 pound fish to have a good time. Right. Uh, I wanted to be able to go all throughout the country and teach people how to catch fish from if they want to put in the frying pan or if they want to catch and chase trophy fish, you know, yeah. uh, regulations, uh, conservation, and, you know, just have a good time. You know, that was, that was part of it all. And they're like, that sounds wonderful, you know? So yeah, we started filming last year. Uh, it starts May 4th of this year uh, here just in a few weeks. No and, kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, it'd be on the pursuit channel. Uh, the, the actual time is not set yet, but for anybody that watches the pursuit channel, 
Uh, there's a show called Brush Pile Fishing. Yeah, everybody show. does Brush Pile. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'll the same company that produces that is the company that picked me up. NKT, right? Yep, NKT Productions. Yeah. Man, and, we're gonna we're gonna have to get you on a kayak on that uh, next time you film, bro. That would be awesome, man. Yeah. So so and and that is something that uh, we have talked about. You know, as yeah. this thing grows, so we're starting into season two now. Um, we're, we're supposed to be starting to film here soon. Uh, we're going to yeah. be doing a full season this year, which is 13 episodes. And then as this thing grows, uh, you know, I want to do some bank fishing uh, shows. I want to do kayak shows, small river shows, big river shows. You know, I, I want to touch on all the base, you know, all of yeah. them. Uh, because there's there's been a study out there that shows that there's like 8 million people uh, that chase catfish. That is a that's insane. Number. I never would have thought that. Yeah, but the the number that we see of like tournament anglers and and quote unquote professional anglers uh, is is so minute. You know, uh, the the big picture are those guys that were just like me that started that are out there fishing with their grandfather and their dad. You know, just yeah. put a few channel cats in a frying pan, and that's the people I want to. You know, I want I want to help them too. You know. Right, absolutely. That'd be awesome, man. You, if you want to film the kayaking thing, you just let me know. I'll bring, I'll bring five or six boats, and we'll make that happen for sure. That'd be awesome, man. Now, Joe, the Joe, the film guy, he may not like me too much whenever he's got to stand up on a kayak all day, but he'll be. Out. Yeah. Well, the film crew, man, we can, um, we we could definitely make that happen. They could, they could film out of the blue sky, which is yeah. like a real solid platform they could put tripods and feel real comfortable doing that and you and i could be more traditional kayaks you know to make that happen but yeah keep me posted on that we'll we'll, we'll spend that for sure now let me so, ask you a question you know have you ever taken that on the side of the river or someplace like that and how uh, would those how would those react how would you know those kayaks be on that like a body of water like that um traditional kayaks no problem at all now the blue sky i've had on all kinds of water there's a picture if you go to on my instagram page um there's i have it's me and two other guys standing on this blue sky out on the little miami river which was really shallow it's under five feet and we were going up current um and it did just fine and then i take it out on the big ohio river all the time it cuts through the water really 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 nice it's it's wide and big so it kind of turns wide and big you know but it's got a big old rudder and it, it kicks up some pretty good speed and you can put you can put a uh, electric trolling motor on there and, and like a torpedo for instance and get five six seven miles an hour you know on that so and all the traditional kayaks were great like i i feel i've taken as small as a 10 foot kayak on the ohio river and i've taken as big as 13 and a half you know and i felt comfortable every single time i like a bigger kayak on bigger water you know like a smaller one obviously for smaller water because i like to tuck in and stuff one of my favorite rivers is the little miami river and it's typically really shallow up where i fish it deepens up as it dumps into the ohio river but i mean there's guys that take their hobie pro anglers which are decent sized boats but then there's also guys that take you know, a lot smaller boats, like an Outback or something even smaller than that. And they, they get out there in flooded water. And if you want to talk about extreme kayak anglers, these guys are pretty nuts. I mean, it's flooded, iced over. They're they're breaking ice in the water to get to their spot. You know, it's – and they're hybrid striper fishing. You know what I mean? So 
yeah, we what we'll do, man, is um I don't know when whenever you do that catfish season, I'd if if it's something you would consider, what I would like to do is to get you on and get you comfortable with one off camera a weekend or a day or something like that. So that when you're on camera, you're not a total noob while you're doing it, right? <laughs> Don't look so, like a fish out of water, huh? Exactly. I mean, the gear, man, you know, when I catfish out of mine, I keep it real simple. I And, and that's kind of how I like it when I'm generally kayak fishing is I don't like a lot of crap and clutter and it drives me insane, dude. I cannot stand it. Other guys that competitive fish, you should see their kayaks, man. Like, I don't know how they do it, but they have everything around their feet and I'm, it drives me insane. I'm like, everything's got to have its place on my boat. But I like a clean flat platform and I only take like a uh, Plano tackle box, probably this big, a bait bucket and two those two roller cat rods from Warrior Cat that I use. And that's all I roll with, man, an anchor system and a fish finder. It's very simple. And I make that work every single time, you know, because yeah. you don't need a lot when the fishing's right, you don't need a lot. So I'll go hit East Fork and I'll fish where the little Miami river dumps into it. And, um, because it's like, if they're going to feed, they're going to start going up the mouth. They're going to go transition from the lake up the mouth of that river every single time. And they're going to get all the bait in between there. So it's like a pinch point, you know? And it's, there's some guys pulling out some pretty big blues out of East Fork too. It's starting to turn into a honey hole. So nice. Yeah, man. So it's, right, it's so see, good. I wasn't, I really wasn't aware that East Fork even had blue cats in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's guys pulling out 20 and thirties all the time there and they're starting really? to get big. Yeah. It's starting to produce some good fish. Uh, another guy I'm going to have on the podcast, um, Denny Ransom, you know, you've probably heard yeah. of Denny, right? Oh, yeah. Man. So another huge kayak angler sponsored by whisker seekers and stuff. He, uh, I really like how he does it, man. Cause he gets in that, he was in a sit inside Jackson Kilroy, Jackson kayak Kilroy, which is a phenomenal river boat. Um, and he will get right up against that structure and, and he calls it going to war. He'll drop down <laughs> and just wait for that fish to hit. Cause when it hits, it hits harder than hell, you know? Yeah. And then he fights it right there on structure. And I mean, that, that is freaking awesome. That dude's a hell of a fisherman. He's going to be my next yeah. guest. He's yeah. yeah, he's awesome. And then I'd like to get Spencer off of uh River Certified, I'd like to get oh, him yeah. on here too. You know, all those guys, man. Steve Douglas. We're gonna we're gonna um shine some light on the catfish world for sure, man. Especially when it comes to kayak catfishing, man. I mean that's that's gonna blow up. It, man, it's gonna blow up. I, I hope it does because you know man, I want a kayak. I've been wanting a kayak for like I would say four solid years now. And I just haven't, I don't know. It's like the unknown for me of not knowing which one to buy, you know, yeah. because you, it, with anything, well, you're, you're going to save a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just so, sat you know, up in my chair. You're, you're all mine now. <laughs> that's right. And, and, you know, those are questions that I don't know and I want to learn. And I think that that need to learn and want to learn is what drives everything. But yeah, I've been wanting to do that for so long, and just the unknown of what to buy yeah. is is kind of what kept me from doing it. And I think when people uh, when people are starting out, the number one thing they want is stability, right? Yeah. So that's that's like huge. Everybody wants the most stable kayak they can because they there's a sense of insecurity. You're going from a big boat yeah. to something small, man, and and so you're going to research stability and and bar by none. There's nothing more stable than the blue sky. And this is not my pitch because I work for that company directly. This is just, I never even knew how stable it was until I bought one and got in it. And it was like, holy crap, there's nothing to beat this. Um, then after that, you go into like a Jackson kayak, big rig, Hobie pro angler, 14 type realm, 
You know what I mean? Both of them are big, wide, stable kayaks, different types of drive systems. Um, some brand loyalists will say the Hobie is more stable. Others will say the Jackson's more stable, but both of them are actually really, really nice kayaks. Um, and then you can outfit them with electric motors, Minn Kota, spot locks or torpedoes. And if you want to pedal drive or paddle and, you know, they're all, they all get pretty heavy. You're generally looking between when you're getting to the big boats, you're looking between 120 to 140 pounds and up. Right. And that's without gear, you know, but they support up to like 500 pounds. So for you, man, yeah, well, you know, if you're going to carry a lot of gear and stuff, um, I have a big rig at the shop that I know I can get you. And it's a Jackson kayak, big rigs, the pedal drive. Um, it's a big boat. It's 120 pounds, but it's got the new, new Jackson drive in it. You would feel really confident in that boat. I, I have no doubt about that. So I can borrow that because this is shop demo. So I can bring that. I can bring my blue sky and we can meet up every, anywhere, anywhere you want. And it could be a, a small lake and I'll let you get the feel for it. And you can practice around. We can throw a couple rods and hell, we can even go bait fishing. You could stand up. Like if you stood up on that blue sky and threw a cast net, you would be amazed. You really would, really would love it. Now there's a new product, which I can't, I can't talk about it yet. Cause there's not, <laughs> I haven't had it. You know, I haven't signed, I'm getting ready to sign an NDA with Jackson. So I got to watch what I say and what I can't say, but this one hasn't been released yet. Um, and I can't tell you what it is on camera. We might be able to have a conversation off camera, but it's, it's awesome, right? It's going to be really cool. And once you see something like that, um, maybe something else you want to go towards, right? But cost is also another thing, man. Um, the cost of these kayaks can get pretty up there, you know? Yeah. So it's something that you don't, if, if you're into the sport heavily, you can't cheap out on it. You can't cheap out on your, your kayak. So like the Jackson's going to run between three and $4,000, the blue sky is going to be $4,000. But, um, what you get for the money is absolutely insane. Now they have a recreational version of the blue sky. That's like in the $2,000 range, which is the same boat minus a front platform and like two hatches. Like there's some other stuff that's different. But you could get by with something like that. But the used market's also really good. But man, I mean, if, if you got if you saved up between three and four thousand dollars and you got you'd be one of the best platforms ever hit the market, you know. And it's just you can beat them up, and they they're awesome. They're seriously awesome. And you know, to be honest with you, with what you just said as far as the tournament trail goes, what's your the ability you have to win? Yeah. Versus what you spend. I mean, that is, that's pretty daggone good. It's a good investment, right? If you're talking about like, I don't know how much Sea Arc boats are, but I imagine 50, 60,000. Yeah. Plus insurance, plus upkeep, storage. If you have to pay another 10, you know, you you, you spend 40, 50, 60,000 per boat and then you have to outfit it. And then you have to outfit it. Imagine being able to spend $4,000 and take it apart and store it in the corner of your garage. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? Like I post, I, you, did you see I that Facebook that picture. picture? Yeah. That's a 13, that's almost a 14 foot long and four feet wide. And, and it took me 15 minutes to pop the pontoons off, take the seat off, fold it and tuck it away so I could fit my four wheeler in there. Yeah. You know that's, I mean? that's unbelievable. Yeah. And the thing holds 500 pounds and it goes, I can, I can get four and a half mile an hour pedal out of it. So, <laughs> and that's without losing my breath. And I can put a three and a half horsepower or three horsepower outboard gas engine on it. Or I can outfit it with, uh, you know, a trolling motor, whatever I want. And it's, 
the Jacksons are freaking awesome, man. And I, you know, I work for the company. I, I'm the team Midwest team manager for them, man. And, and hopefully do some R and D stuff for them soon too. And it's, uh, I, I love my kayaks. I love that brand because it's sure like every brand you represent, uh, you stand behind because they're quality oh, brands and you put your name yeah. same here, man. I'm not, I would never pimp myself out for a company that I didn't believe in. It just wouldn't make any sense. So we're going to make this kayak thing happen. I mean, it's only a matter of time. So, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, the market's there. Yeah. There's, you know, there are 8 million people out there chasing catfish. You know, I found out this year, Here, here's kind of a fail on my part. Um, I had this plan. I was going to, I took my son and we're, I was like, Hey, we're going to go hit this catfish conference this year. Cause he really likes Luke or the outdoor boys, right? He, okay. he loves yeah. Luke and his kids. So Pierce, my son Pierce wanted to go meet Luke and I was like, cool, we'll go down on uh, Sunday, man. No problem. And we'll go and hit the Indianapolis travel sport and boat show. I didn't know they switched it this year. So oh, instead of Saturday, Sunday, it was Friday. So I drove an hour and a half down to Louisville. <laughs> hold in there i was like yeah i'm here for the catfish company he goes man they're packing up today i'm like what are you talking about he's like yeah oh, show it yesterday I was like no <laughs> hour and a half down to louisville and then an hour and a half over to indianapolis after that in, in my ram 1500 of all things so it wasn't cheap on gas so yeah it's funny man i was <laughs> up. major i was pissed i missed that one but next year next year i'll i'll hit it so and and something for you know people that are listening you know Next year, it's not going to be. They're talking about it not just being catfish. So it's all going to be catfish and crappie next year. So no kidding. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be able to get both things, you know. Yeah. Well, I heard um, that there wasn't any kayaks down there like, th this year, and I'm like, that's uh, a problem. Yes. So next year, I need to get with Steve Douglas, and you know, I and I talked to him a while back about kayaking and stuff. I'm like, man, you know, I need some rod holders, but I need them for my kayak, and he kind of blew me off. And, and it's kind of a normal reaction because not a lot of people take kayaks that serious because they don't understand how big that industry is. Like, it is absolutely huge. And when you're talking about tournaments where people win $100,000, that's huge. That's up there with the glitter boat tournaments. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I was like, man, I was kind of, I was like, he just doesn't get like how important it is to have stuff that fits on kayaks. So I would love to revisit that conversation and, and rig my kayak out with his stuff. Yeah, um, now that I'm getting back into catfishing and stuff, but uh, we I need to get a hold of him and talk to him about putting some kayaks in there, man. Even if I got to bring down a whole arsenal in Jacksons to set up and let people, especially that blue sky, because catfishmen, some of them catfish guys are some big boys, man. You know, they they're yeah. big boys, yeah. and they, if they sit on that thing and they can get it out in the water for four grand and not have to pay forty something thousand dollars more, it may be something they they would like, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm 240 pounds. If I can throw yeah. a 10 foot cast net off of that, that's, you know, you're as good as sold. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It, um, and with, with this one, with the blue sky, man, you really don't have to have your sea legs. I mean, when it comes to stability, every, every kayak manufacturer has a big wide kayak and say, man, this is the most stable on the market. You, you can stand up just fine. And that may be right. You may be able to pop up out of your seat just fine and stand there. But the moment you take a step, that shit's going to change. You know what I mean? So you got to get your sea legs. I mean, it's it's just like walking on a boat and anything else. Once you get your sea legs and you, and you feel the secondary stability of the kayak and you learn it, you get really comfortable and you can get silly on it, right? With a blue sky, it takes 90% of that away. 
So, but you still got to get comfortable with having a, a set of pedals in your legs, being able to throw and you got to get, you know, just comfortable being on the, the boat as it is. Uh, one thing I do, man, is if I'm going to throw a cast net off of it, I take my whole seat platform off and I'll take my drive off and I'll stand up on it and use it as this big, almost like a floating dock. Cause I don't have to go very far to catch my bait. I know exactly where it's at and I can go locate it. But if I got to locate it, obviously I'll use my seat and my rudder and everything else. But um, last year when I was throwing out for bait, it was so thick. I mean, you could have taken just a handled net and scooped it out of the water at East Fork. It's yeah. ridiculous. So yeah, we could talk about that for hours and hours and hours, man. I already taken up an hour and a half of your time, man, but <laughs> I'm so excited to have our first catfish guy on here, man. I'm, I'm sure you got stuff to do. So we could wrap it up. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, man? No, just, man, I want to thank you for having me. It's, it's oh, been a good yeah. time. My pleasure, man. I know I ran up to you at the Cincinnati Travel Sports and Boat Show, kind of like a little fangirl. You know, you came <laughs> over and you were that actually the boat you were looking at when you first came here, it was on the, the stands in the middle of our booth. That was the big rig. That's the one I was okay. talking about. And okay. it had an electric motor on there, which gives you about five horsepower or five miles an hour. So that would be the one, that exact boat with the pedal drive is what you would be using if we met up. I got you. Yeah. So it's a big, but yeah, I mean, I was, oh, it's Chris Souders, man. Holy shit. Yeah. I watch him on YouTube all the time. Here he is standing right in front of me. So it was kind of, it was pretty cool, man. And then we worked all these shows and stuff. I'm glad we got our shows in before that virus hit though. Oh man. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, if you do not, so at the catfish conference, it's probably a good thing you wasn't there. Yeah. Because there was a bunch of us that got sick. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, but I'm telling you what, if you have never heard of fire cider, man, you need to look it up and make you a batch. That stuff. Fire will, cider. It, huh? Yes, it tastes like. I mean, I'm talking. It tastes like a horse's rear end. But son, <laughs> it'll kick. It'll kick a cold. It'll kick a flu. I I am. I tell you right now, I don't think that I could get sick. And I believe that I will not catch the coronavirus. I may, I may die tomorrow from this. Yeah. But as long as I'm drinking uh, that fire cider every day, I don't think I'll get sick. Oh, now you got me intrigued. Now I'm going to have to look it up and see what the heck that's about. So. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, that stuff. Now, it, it takes a lot to choke it down. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, now, if you like vinegar, you're in good shape. But, but I don't like vinegar, so it takes no. a lot for me to choke it down. I used to drink some apple cider vinegar diluted in water. I changed the way I eat often, you know? Um, so I, I ate ketogenic for almost two years and jumped off of that and got fat again. And now I started eating what they call carnivore, which is just meat basically. And I've been doing that today's day 37 and I feel great, you know, and it really like boosts your immune system. And they say people that eat, you know, these, these kind of ways like ketogenic or carnivore or, or stuff like that. And don't eat all the box crap and all the obsessive amounts of carbohydrates, like your immune systems through the roof. So, um, I'm not one to get sick and I kind of don't think I'll get it either. Knock on wood, you know, but if I do, I'm going to drink that stuff, I guess. Let's see what that's about. Man, I got three fresh jars in the cabinet cooking right three now. Three of them, huh? Yeah. Cause when you make it, it takes like four to six weeks for it to kind of, uh, you know, brew, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah, cause what it is, it's a bunch of roots and like peppers and onions and, and different things. And, <laughs> and uh, you pour in apple cider vinegar on top of it and yeah. it, you know, that apple cider vinegar breaks everything down and, and, uh, it's just a huge boost to your body. No kidding. I'm going to have to check that out, man. That's good info. Well, man, I appreciate it. It's a pleasure, brother. 
It's yeah. it's a pleasure. Hey, welcome to the podcast, man. And we'll um this will go this is gonna air tomorrow morning and I'll post up everything and tag you in it and feel free to share it out and everything, man. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed, man. I hope uh, hope somebody one here learned something and and uh, for anybody listening and if you got any questions about catfishing and hit me up social media. Oh yeah. You know. I got your phone number now, man. Now you're in trouble. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. I think this was definitely one of the best episodes that I've recorded so far. Lots of information here. And I, I'm still, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more at another time about where you're finding these 12 inch gizzard chat. Cause I've never That's in cool. my life have ever hooked into one of those. So cool, man. As of now, I appreciate it guys. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here. It's a pleasure. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Good chatting with you. Thanks for having me. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle, the letter N and fin.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, or want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and Finn. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water.